Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Raw Makers podcast. Your one-stop shop for courage, confidence and mindset building. Also bringing you all the aspects from mental health awareness, entrepreneurship, and business. We are your hosts, Adam Ellis and Jason Barman of the Raw Makers Coaching. So tonight, guys, we have a very, very special guest. In fact, I'd go out there to say one of the best guests we've ever had on this show. He's a fully qualified and accredited life coach, an NLP master practitioner, Certified in emotional intelligence, black belts in multiple martial arts. But not only that, he's a co-host of the Raw Makers podcast, the co-founder of the Raw Makers coaching. It is the one, the only, Mr. Jason Bowman. Hey, thank you very much for that. Like, I want you to like follow me around and like introduce me to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was very good. Thank you. So that was just a, a brief introduction to the life of Mr. Bond. So the first question is, what is the real introduction to Mr. Mm-hmm. Bond? So yeah. Um... All the things that you said are true, like, you know, I've done multiple martial arts, NLP master, um, coach, qualified and accredited with the the amazing TCM, uh, the coaching masters, Um, certified with Lindsay Cap, who's on the UK number one emotional intelligence coach um, and trainer. yeah and courage advocate as well like i'm a big fan of courage confidence so i'm more specifically a courage and confidence coach um specializing in those two areas along with mindset and we're on a kind of mission together i've been knowing each other now for nine years nine years um, we joined forces and are now the Raw Makers coaching and the Raw Makers like the brand is, is us and of course supported by our lovely friends at the back here, uh, Mr. Lion and um, yeah, so that is our brand, it's a symbol of courage um, to us and fits us really well I think. So I want to take it back to the very beginning. What was the first thing that made you want to be a coach? Um, I think I've always had an affinity for helping helping people, like um, and doing what I can for people. Probably to my detriment a lot of the time, 
you know, like until I learned like EI and learned to balance, I was very much a, a giving person. And sometimes I give a little bit too much away for, of myself. And um, in order to people please and make people happy. And that was my life for a long time. Um, Yeah, what else do you want to know? Like from my, from way back. From way back. <clears throat> so what specific point in your life did you say, I want to be a coach? Well, I'd grown up with Tony Robbins and um, my brother was very much into Tony Robbins and his work and what he did. Um, so my brother is someone that would make a great coach as well. Um, but he lacks some of the confidence needed, I think, um, to do that at the moment. You know, obviously I'm working on it. <laughs> um, but it's hard to coach your family members, obviously, because they see you in a different light. And um, I'll always be his little brother kind of thing. So but then go and get, you know, the... The advice that you need from your little brother is not always easy to do, I guess. So there's some barriers that need to be kind of overcome there, if they ever will. Like, but I also know you, who's also a courage and confidence coach. So maybe you might be the answer to that. Um, and just you know, using your coaching would be a benefit to people in my family, I guess. And um, yeah, because we've pretty much got the same skills, you know, same. Um, same areas, you know, of focus. Um, my mum had like mental health issues when I was young as well. So that sparked my empathy and you know, wanting to help her, keep her calm, that sort of thing. And um, yeah, she suffered with depression since losing my nan. And I remember that from a very early age, um, about two years old, I lost my, my nan and she was like the rock of our family and it shook everyone basically. Um, my mum sank into like a deep depression. Um, she suffered with anxiety anyway, and the two kind of didn't help one another. Um, but she was still very brave. She did a lot of things like that she was scared to do, but still did for us as kids. So um, my hat goes off to her. And um, I always love her for the childhood she gave us. And yeah. So in other words, my, my childhood wasn't bad at all like in some respects um i had a few limiting beliefs when i first came into coaching that my story wasn't powerful enough uh, <clears throat> i see all these coaches with you know been through horrible things and they were turning their you know pain to power and all of that um and one of my limiting beliefs was that i was my story wasn't good enough to inspire people um uh, yeah, now I'm starting to see more of my story 
you know, is valuable to other people. And, you know, I can inspire lots of people. And I just have a natural ability to do that. It's, yeah, it's kind of strange to me at the same time as, you know, I am, I'm enjoying it. And if I can help people, then that's even better. So in the introduction, we did say you, you're multiple mixed martial artists, black belts. At what age did you get into mixed martial arts? So it was about 10. Um, I was like heavily bullied in primary school. And um, in order to boost my confidence and stuff, I started taking martial arts lessons, uh, particularly in Taekwondo. But, you know, I've trained in other, other styles as well. And done different things over the years. That was when I was 10. So I've been doing martial arts now for about, well, for the last sort of few years, I've not been doing it. So, so I've been traveling and doing other things. Um, so for about 15 years, I'd say I was doing it religiously, three or four times a week. <clears throat> and then training outside as well. So I was a pretty good, pretty good standard. Now I reached black belt in Taekwondo before then going off and traveling. And I would pop back, you know, every now and again, do my class and do the odd lesson. But my dedication from then became traveling and helping people and improving myself in other areas. <clears throat> One day I want to go back and kind of finish the Dan grades and you know, get higher. Uh, <clears throat> but at the moment, like my life is much too busy. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I just kind of practice it as and when now and whenever I can get the chance. Um, I learned a lot of the mindset from martial arts, you know, when you come to like breaking boards and, you know, having belief in yourself. That's where my, you know, before learning martial arts, I was, you know, pretty pretty timid lad like not really kind of I had strong build but a kind of sensitive personality like which I've still got but it's you know become more steel like now like I don't let nothing much hurt me anymore um yeah so I was bullied in primary school quite badly um uh but not for the reasons I probably would have been had I, you know, came out earlier, for example. Like, so for those of you who don't know that I am a gay man, like, um, I'm kind of newly proud of that as well. And yeah, but it's not been, not been an easy road with that. I struggled with it a lot. Things like my own homophobia and yeah, things like and not wanting to accept that side of myself for a long time. Um, fearing more bullying coming my way um, because of it. And I'm just hiding who I was. I was desperate to kind of be normal and yeah. And at the time, that was my mindset. And it was just kind of like everything was denial and everything was 
Um, everything was it was hurting inside, right? So so much. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't let that show to the world. I was a bubbly character, right on the outside, so it did it well. Um, I had girlfriends in school, and yeah, it created the perfect kind of cover for me. Um, so just to get through school, at least, that was my kind of aim. Get through school, and I did so with, you know, good grades, you know, I was quite academic, you know, I learned, I loved going to school, and it was only the bullying that made it shit, basically. Um, but, you know, learning martial art, I didn't really get picked on much in senior school because, to be truthful, I would just punch them. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't take it as much as I did in primary school. It was more of a, you know, I'm sick of this and I need to make put a stop to it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be an easy target anymore. Um, and I had a lot of fights in senior school. Like, um, I'm not proud of it, but you know, it's, it was a necessary kind of thing for me at the time to get through school. And you know, as much the teacher's fault as it was mine, you're not doing that much about bullying. Um, and you know, fighting wasn't really a first, you know, answer to it. You know, it had been going on a long time. Then I started sticking up for myself and. Yeah, that was it. And people left me alone after that. You know, they didn't really want to challenge me after that. Uh, I did rugby as well when I was in the low. Um, and yeah, so I kind of built up some strength. You know, I was getting more teenagery and growing up. And yeah, I looked scary. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's kind of like you had your fun, now it's time to kind of, yeah, leave me alone, sort of thing. Um, but yeah, that was kind of like, that all kind of played into why I wanted to become a coach, um, to help people, to inspire people, if I could. Um, which I'm now proving that I can, and um, yeah, I love it. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So I just want to take it back a bit okay. to the part where you said through school you you didn't come out until was it 25? Yeah. So. Knowing all them years you was a gay man, but you couldn't come out. How did that make you feel, pretending to be a straight man, knowing you was gay? I was torn between what I wanted for myself and what I actually was. So for a while, I just ignored the fact that I was gay. didn't enter my mind I was like no that's not me so and it, it was just straight up denial from myself and you no know, and 
I don't want to offend anyone here, but like, you know, I, I wasn't like, um, people didn't know that I was gay. You know, I could hide it really well. I'm, I'm quite, um, I'm not like camp, you know, like some, some are. And yeah, it was just, it's quite, I did dance and singing when I was younger. So like, I didn't hide it that well. I just had an illusion that I did. <laughs> like, uh, and I love theatre and I loved acting on stage and doing all of that. And yeah, that kind of, I'm not saying that everyone who does that is gay, but you know, it's kind of you know, a natural thing if you are. And you maybe have to work at it a bit if you aren't. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was just a, a big part of me that I was denying for a long time. And but because of that homophobia, like I later found out through doing uh, Katie Byron's The Work. Uh, she's got a lovely book out called Loving What Is. And it's where you ask yourself four questions. You know, is it true? You know, and you kind of break down beliefs and turn it around on yourself. That's kind of a method. So it breaks it down even further or it becomes true. The opposite becomes true. You know what I mean? And you realize stuff, you have revelations, you know? So I used for a long time, you thought my parents were very homophobic. You know, little signs that they would give me, like they were very homophobic. Um, you know, the TV would get turned over if anything like that came on the TV. You know, I had little signs that was like, oh, okay, maybe they wouldn't like it if I did come out. Um, yeah, so it was kind of little things that probably influenced me keeping it hidden for a long, longer time than I maybe could have. Right. Um, And like girls would notice it in clubs after a while, like, you know, it's like, why aren't you coming up and snogging me sort of thing, and, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm dropping all these signals and I'm not getting any of them, <laughs> like, you know, um, so it's, yeah, um, and girls would come up and ask me, am I, probably because I was a way better dancer than after them as well. <laughs> It's kind of like, but again, more denial would come from that. And you know, for a long time, I yeah kept it hidden and denied everything. And yeah, but eventually, I just I thought in me, I was living a lie, and then it came to the to the point where I I thought I had to accept who I am, you know, in order to have any sort of life. If, it was, it was taking up all my energy, if you know what I mean, to keep that from myself and everyone else. So I confided in a few people I trusted, but I didn't, I didn't tell everyone. Like, there's a few people at PGL who I told, and um, that was where I came out 
first, if you know what I mean. So that was about 20, 21 to 23. And then officially to everybody, I came out in 25, 25 when I came back from America. So I lived over there and met lots of gay people. And uh, <clears throat> um, yeah, so it's kind of like, okay, now it's time to just be me. And I'm out of, of an age now where I'm an adult, you know, fully, you know, even in America, I was considered an adult. And yeah, it's time to start being an adult and living with myself and learning to love myself. And, you know, so that prompted the journey into looking for something more. Do you know what I mean? I wanted to, you know, give back to the world and find a, a way to leave a legacy, to find a way to ignite my passions. And to do that whilst helping other people was an amazing sort of decision. Um, I actually went to go to a coaching academy seminar, but I got lost in London and couldn't find the venue. So that led to me finding TCM. Right? Because, you know, I saw this ad on Facebook of these cool guys in a pool and, you know, living in Bali or whatever they were doing like living the high life sort of thing. And that inspired me. And they said, oh, we're coaches, we coach online. And yeah, so I joined, I joined them basically. And yeah, started training to become a coach and a powerful one. Like these guys really know their stuff and they've, had, they've both had offline coaching businesses. Um, so coaching in person with people and they they bought their their passion online to so reach the masses and that they have and I think they're in lots of different countries now and you know with people learning their courses from all over the world and that's really amazing when we've got friends that are you know global um, and that. Like my au pair journey sparked that as well. And um, like just making loads of international friends that started to become a little bit of a, uh, a love of mine is you know, experiencing lots of different cultures and uh, meeting new people, um, seeing what I could learn. And that sparked my learning back up again. You know what I mean? And I've always been a massive learner, but this kind of ignited it you know, to take it in a professional, um, professional way. And yeah, I haven't stopped and I never will stop learning. It's, you know, it's my passion, it's what I love to do. Um, my, one of my goals is to have a CV like this. <laughs> is it, I can do that, I can do that. <laughs> um, yeah, so never stop learning. That's kind of my mantra is, you know, always be open to new law, new knowledge, new wisdom, you know, new perspectives. And yeah, and that's how you can meet someone in love and understanding as well. So let's now fast forward in time to NLP. 
Okay. Neurolinguistics programming. Yeah. Do you know what it felt like before NLP? I can't remember, honestly, now. Like, my brain has had a total rewire, like, um, whether that's a good thing or bad thing, I can't remember, but uh, <clears throat> it definitely feels like a good thing, you know what I mean? There's beliefs I was holding on to before that didn't serve me one little bit, and, you know, managed to get rid of the loads of them. Created new, created room for new beliefs, you know, to be found and nurtured, and that includes like learning to love myself in a way that's, you know, um, authentic and true, and <clears throat> and able to show that to other men as well, you know, because there's that whole stigma around, um, oh, man up and you know all of them kind of things. Um, male vulnerability is, you know, something I'm very passionate about. And being a sensitive guy as well, like, you know, I've still got that sensitive heart, like a big loving heart, you know what I mean? And yeah, I think it's an asset of mine, so I'm going to share it as much as possible. Um, so you applied for the NLP, you've done the, the practitioner on the master level, You've done the 24 weeks. You get that certificate through the post, that nice black and gold certificate. Yeah. How did you feel when you open, when you ripped open that brown envelope, had your name on, and you pulled out that certificate? On top of the world, like, it was the most amazing moment. It was like, um, See if I had to get my EI certificate, really. Like, it was like, whereas that was like, hello, me, like, because I found me and I was just elated after that course. Um, the NLP was, I understand me now, my brain, how it works, you know, how to help other people understand theirs. And like, it's powerful stuff. Powerful, I just, powerful. I just had a thought in that moment, if I don't change the world now, I wasn't meant to, because this is a hell of a tool bag to have to go and, you know, help the, heal the world with, right? You know, if I've got any one piece of advice for anybody, it's learn NLP. Amen to that. And, you know, if you can, the eye as well. Uh, so NRP helps you find you and heal others. EI is all about you. You find yourself on another level. It opens your eyes to yourself in ways that you've never been open before. So whatever sounds more appealing to you, you know, go and do that too. <laughs> uh, but I will say this, you know, in order to kind of be a better server, you all need to know yourself. So let's move on to EI. Before you, before you paid that money, before you even started the course, 
what was life like? So let's, let's say a day before you did the EI course, what was life like? Um, well, I was really struggling with money, if I'm honest with you. Like, I've done all these courses and um, in coaching, which were great. Like, I had a tool bag of really great things, but it was it was the getting it to people that I was struggling with, you know what I mean? Making myself. And so I started figuring out that it was probably me that was in my own way. And maybe more awareness about me would then open the door to other people seeing me how I wanted to be seen. I didn't want this air of kind of desperation of I need clients now because I want to, you know. Uh, and I'll come in with, if you want to work with me, then you want to work with me. If you don't, then you don't. I'm okay. So let's fast forward to the EI course itself. Take so us EI, through that journey. EI is emotional intelligence for anyone wanting to know what that is. Um, and it was an eight-week course I did with Lindsay Cap, um, who's the UK number one emotional intelligence coach. Um, I'm very proud to have done a course with her and um, yeah, she really kind of helped me with my understanding me, how I showed up and she allowed me to kind of look at every minute detail of my emotional intelligence. Turn things up where it needed to be turned up, turn things down where it needed to be turned down. Um, yeah, I can't thank her enough for showing me that. So then, obviously you've learned AI, you now know yourself. What, what part of the, the EI course stood out for you? Out of them eight weeks, which was your best week? I think learning to love the critic. Because before I was like, like, you know, don't be negative around me. Like, take your negative stuff and, you know, get it somewhere else, you know. Don't criticise me, like, you know, don't criticise. You know, let's focus on the positive, you know, but we need that critic. And I see that now. And I show up better and expecting people to criticise. I'm welcoming criticism. Whereas before, you know, my sensitive ego side would you know, want to protect me from anything, you know, negative being said to me. Um, I don't know whether it stems from my years of bullying and things like that, and feeling attacked, if you know what I mean. And yeah, it's kind of, I was very kind of anti-critic, like, you know, like, no, I take that negative sort of bullshit away from me. <laughs> but, um, now I kind of welcome the critic as, you know, someone who informs you of what could go wrong so that you can be prepared for it. It's not saying it will, 
you know, but seeing what could go wrong. And that's important, you know. We can be the dreamer, we can be the, you know, realist, and we can be the critic. We can be all these at once. You know, I used to just be the dreamer, like, that's why I've got a massive vision board with lots of stuff on that I want to do. Um, I still do, but I'm now coming in with that realist, that critic, and I've started to kind of figure out how I'm actually going to get this, you know, dream board into reality. And yeah, and what could go wrong and how long could it actually take, and, you know. Yeah. You've transformed from one coach to another because you used to be a, a coach for was it single mums? Yeah, or just mums in general, working mums really, like you know, people who had to balance a job and family life. Because that's what I'd known. I was an au pair, so I worked closely with um, a working mum for 13 months. Um, saw her day-to-day -day struggles, saw her mindset, you know. I didn't know much about it then, you know what I mean? So I probably could have helped her more had I known coaching before. But, you know, we learn these, we get inspiration and we put it into, you know, and hindsight's a fabulous thing, isn't it? <laughs> Obviously, you've mentioned Tony Robbins and that. So, obviously, he's one of your inspirations. But who else is, like, an inspiration to you? Who do you look up to as a role model? It's like Tony Robbins had a similar life to me, in a way. Like, very similar. I see a lot of similarities between me and Tony Robbins. Like, from like you know my mum wasn't that abusive but she can be like and um there's been occasions where yeah i've really kind of hated that i love her so much and um our you know relationship has been strained for you know a while and it's good been back and forth um yeah i really struggled with it um, obviously doing Katie Byron's work as well I'm you know breaking down some of those beliefs I have around my mum and um, yeah that's helped a lot um, but before I didn't have that and there was quite a bit of you know animosity sometimes and um, feeling used and things like that and um, and taking advantage of quite a lot and all you know a lot of whole mass of stuff and um yeah so that's kind of so i would say that's really shaped me as a human being as well um yeah definitely and um So, what is your mission? So, my mission is, um, well, ever since a couple of years ago, um, 
I just had my third redundancy and I had like suicidal thoughts afterwards. Um, yeah, I was 20, 28 at the time and um, I really felt at the lowest point of my life. Because um, I felt like, you know, I wanted to kind of move up the ladder a little bit and get on with my life. You know, there's milestones that everyone wants to hit, like owning their own home and things like that. And, you know, I just saved up enough money, then lost my job. So, you know, that all got kind of spoiled in a way. Well, <laughs> um, my vision for myself got spoiled. And, but obviously, you know, things don't always happen how you want them to happen. And um, in a way, it made me stronger. You know, it's always happening for me. You know, now I've got like, this new mindset, you know, it's always happening for me. Everything that happens is either going to make me stronger, you know, it's a lesson to be learned, or, you know, it's, uh, you know, a stream of luck, I guess. And, you know, whatever, whatever you're going through, it's, you know, it's testing you or making you stronger, building muscle in places you didn't know you need it. Um, it has made me a strong person. Um, so, if our viewers and listeners can uh, resonate with this and they want to go, yeah, I'll work with Jason or this and that. Where can people find you? How can they get all of you? Um, yeah, so they can find me on Facebook. You know, I've got a community, you know, Courage and Confidence Hub with Jason and Adam. And yeah, they can reach, you know, join the group. You know, it's full of um, courage improvers, you know, um, confidence builders, um, you know, um, just wanting to lead with their passion and purpose and, and I'm leading with love and all of that kind of thing. So community, you know, supportive members and just people who are ready to kind of roar with that confidence and want more for their life than they currently see in. Um, yeah, so... That's somewhere you can find me, or you can find me on my personal profile, um, Jason Borman. Um, yeah, just reach out. I'm on Instagram as well, um, LinkedIn, all of them, under my name. And yeah, please just reach out. I've got an old website, so we will be updating it soon with a new kind of new brand. Um, so at the moment that's kind of a null and void website that kind of shows you what I was doing before um, and now we've kind of transitioned into this and I've found Adam, my business partner um, and we've started our own brand 
I'm very excited to get that website up and running very soon. And yeah, and have our brands, you know, on a website together that you guys can reach out to us on. That'd be awesome. Um, to answer your earlier question, so I remember, like, I didn't quite answer it because <laughs> I went off on a tangent. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so your earlier question was something to do with what is your mission? So what is my mission? So I mentioned suicide. So I obviously want to help reduce the number of male suicide you know, within that high bracket of 35 to 45 year olds, uh, which is the highest bracket. Um, and then the next follows by you know, males 25 to 35. And yeah, the numbers are too high for, for me and my liking. Uh, so something needs to be done about that. And um, I think a lot of the time it's because men don't feel they can express themselves. You know, they don't feel like they can talk to anybody about their issues, their problems, their challenges. Um, they don't want to burden anyone with it. So we've got that male stigma of, you know, man up and, you know, just get over it, right, which is complete rubbish, right? You know, men have feelings too. So I want every man to hear that on this podcast. If you're listening, it's okay to not be okay. And please talk to someone about it. There's no shame going to your fellow man and going, look, I need help. I'm going through some stuff and I want to talk about it to you. Like, what's hard about that? You know, it's... Don't feel bad. Don't feel upset. But I was well proud of my one of my best friends um, coming to me not long ago about you know having issues with you know money and his marriage and things like that. And I was so proud of him coming out and reaching out to me and seeing that I could you know offer that listening ear and support um, him through that hard time. And I'm, yeah, incredibly proud of, you know, him and his bravery to come and do that because he is one of those stigma men who want to be men, and, you know, and not share his problems, his issues, his challenges with anybody and just to keep it all bottled up, like, so for him to do that is, you know, I found it really amazing. And that's my attitude towards it. And hopefully everyone can get the same attitude towards it because it's needed. We all need to feel like we can talk to somebody, like, you know, whether we're male or female, like, it shouldn't matter. So just before we wrap all this up, what's the one golden nugget you give our listeners and viewers? Um, I guess just to keep the vision in your head if you don't have a vision create one think about where you want to be 5-10 years from now one year from now and start building out that vision and move towards it. 
because you know I'm semi-Christian, like so I'm not like massive on the Bible, but I do like the scriptures sometimes, and especially ones that mean something to me mindset-wise. You know, there's one, um, there's one called I think it's Habakkuk two and two, and it's you have not because you ask not. That's very important. You know, you need to put out into the universe, put out in you, know, ask God, whatever you believe, like if you at all believe in out for the world and declare what it is you want. And then move towards that, you know, take action, you know, towards achieving that. And you know. God, the universe, you know, will make a path for you to achieve that. You know, it doesn't want to stand in your way. You know, it might, you know, test you along the way to make sure you actually do want it, but eventually it's going to move out your way and let you just claim it. So don't give up, you know, don't give up on that first failure. Don't give up on the second failure. Don't give up on the third failure. Don't give up on the, on the fourth failure. Just keep fucking going until you get what it is you want. You deserve, it. you deserve it. That's it. Never give up. That's the only way you can fail, guys, is if you give up. For all of those of you fearing failure, just don't give up and it'll never happen. Take it as a lesson. Take it as a blessing. Take it as a, you know, a re-correction, you know, getting your think outside the box. Maybe it wants to build mental stamina. Maybe it wants to build strength. Maybe it wants to build something for you that's going to benefit you later in life. Life is always happening for you, not to you. Um, you know, share the love, you know, Make sure you, you know, talk to people if you're feeling, you know, not great. And, you know, we will always be here if you need it. Like, you know, that listening here that's kind of impartial. Um, we will help you as much as we can to move past your um, current state and into, you know, one that's more empowering for you. Um, so that you're able to go forward with strength, with determination, with purpose, and fucking raw. Damn right. Get back your fucking raw. That was like my intro to mo motivation. How did I do? <laughs> so just before we, we wrap up, because we always finish the podcast the same way every time but before we get to that i just want to thank you for coming on thank you thank you for letting me interview you on such an amazing life you've had some shit you've been through and i want to congratulate your bravery and your honesty coming on tonight and actually talking about it 
letting the the world hear it. No, it's been it's been really good. It's freeing almost, like you know, to talk about it, to share it. You know, this is why I've been through it so that I can you know share it with other people. So to our listeners and viewers, this episode of the Raw Makers podcast with Jason Barman's story is pure fucking value. Let me just repeat that. Jason Borman's story is pure fucking value. And to, be, to, to think I used to think the opposite, you know? I didn't have a story to tell. Like, that was pretty powerful. This episode is, is full of value and gold and nuggets. More nuggets. The golden nuggets. The big golden nuggets. The platinum nuggets. It's all fucking value. So always remember to share the love. Reach out to us if you need our help, if you want our help. Reach out to other people. If you're having a down day, don't be like, ah, fuck it. Just go and ask someone. If they don't want to help you, they're not your fucking friend. Fuck them off. Speak to the people who are truly there for you when they need you, when you need them. So on that little tangent, always draw on that courage. Build up that confidence. And get back your raw. Thanks, guys. Peace out.